Welcome to Together All the Time, a podcast about being stuck at home indefinitely with whoever else lives there. In this episode, we finally meet the other members of the three households we've been following and learn what being together all the time feels like for them. Deidre's husband and their kids share their perspectives on being a family in isolation. Liz and Henry's parents tell us about suddenly having their kids back, and Julie's partner Holly talks about emotional challenges and close quarters. Before the pandemic, Deidre had a fairly flexible work schedule and did most of the childcare during the week. Her husband Ben had a long commute to and from his job in Long Island and wasn't usually able to spend much time with their kids on weekdays. Now he's working from home. I'm definitely around and more present for more of the day, obviously, just uh, logistically, but I'm also here for all of the boo-boos and the (laughs) mommy, I need you kind of conversations. So it's good to be home. It's good to be having time. I'm trying to do more of the cooking in the house. Ben wishes Deidre would be kinder to herself and worry less about being a perfect parent during this time. It's hard to tell someone you love and let them know that they have permission. It's it's okay to not be okay. Um, and I think she struggles with the idea of letting go and breaking down and, you know, just being comfortable with this shit is fucked up. Uh, you know, this is messed a messed up situation for everybody. And there's a certain amount of trauma involved in everybody's life, whether you've been, you know, affected in a health way or not from this virus. So I've, I've sort of have to, not that I control her feelings, but say it's okay. It's okay to not be together all the time. It's okay when you need to take a break. Unfortunately, it's difficult not to be self-critical as a parent right now when social media is full of what can feel like bragging. I mean, I think there's definitely some uh, like peer pressure shaming of, you know, oh my God, we're doing such amazing things and we're homeschooling in the awesomest way. And it's like, no, all we need to do is get through this. We just need to come out the other end of this intact to some degree. Um, we're not going to be complete. We're not going to be whole, but just survived. Um, and, you know, that's enough of a, of a bar for me. I don't need, you know, my kids don't need to learn a second language or be able to do, you know, advanced math. Uh, as long as, you know, they know that they were loved and we keep them safe and we keep ourselves safe. Uh, I think that's all we can expect of, um, of ourselves. I'm, I'm just happy when we, like, we got the, we got the garbage and the recycling out on the, on the appointed day last night. Like that was, that was enough of a goal for me, right? (laughs) Ben and Deidre's kids, Mirabelle, age 11, and Clover, age eight, spend their weekdays going to school remotely and experiencing mixed feelings about it. Well, it's, it's very different. I am definitely not used to having my life on a screen. Our teacher says, it's not great for everyone to be just on a screen for a long period of time, so she encourages us to take breaks. Well, it's kind of odd because it's like we've never been homeschooled before. I mean, online school is pretty easy. It's not too hard, and our teachers don't give us too many stuff. And I feel like if we were in a classroom, they would give us a lot more. I really miss my friends. And my teachers, 
Sometimes it's just like, I really want to be in a classroom, but I know that I can't. And so it's really frustrating. So I just really miss that. When she feels anxious, Clover looks to her big sister for comfort. Well, for me, it would probably be watch a show with my sister or have a sister time because usually she just makes me feel a lot better. Mirabelle notices that she and Clover have connected more since being stuck at home. I feel like we've gotten a little closer as sisters. Uh, well, one night there was a thunderstorm and she was really scared. So I told her to come in and we brought in blankets and I just let her watch a movie with me. And we cuddled and it was really nice. Of course, things aren't always so rosy. Of course, we get in a lot of fights because, you know, si- sibling rivalry. <laughs> Most of the time, it's just like you don't feel like my sister and you're not respecting my privacy. I need space. I don't have a very strong memory um, of how much we were fighting before this because this feels like an eternity. To manage their boundaries better, the girls have started to practice new communication skills, which facilitate peaceful resolutions to fights. Well, sometimes if we just, like, want space, we say this word stashoo, and, like, it means go away. I want some space. Or sometimes we both say how we feel, and then we just both say sorry at the same time, and then we're better. We'll write each other notes saying, like, um, I feel this way because you did this to me, and then I'll say, well, I feel this way because you did this to me, and then uh, before we know it, we're, like, back to our olds. I guess, normal. And also, at one point, we were just doing the same thing, except we were singing to each other how we felt. And it was, was, yeah, it was strange, but I mean, it worked. Since it was announced that New York City schools would be closed through the end of the school year, Mirabelle, a fifth grader, has had to come to terms with the fact that elementary school has abruptly ended She won't get to have a fifth grade graduation and may not see many of her classmates again. One thing that really lifted her spirits was finding out that she got into the middle school she wanted to go to next year. Suddenly, there was something to look forward to, and she really enjoys looking forward. In third grade, I planned out my entire future. It was New Voices, um, Star on Broadway at a very young age, um, LaGuardia, Juilliard, And when I retire, I will live in a big house. There's more to it than that. Somewhere in there is meeting Lin-Manuel Miranda because he's my favorite person in the entire world. I mean, besides my family. He's my role model and technically my spirit animal. To pass the time when they are not attending school remotely, the girls play and have creative time. As an ongoing project, they each host their own podcasts, which they use to share things they have learned lately. So it's called What to Do When You're Bored, and you can find it on Spotify. And Mirabel has one called Behind the Scenes. And so we just do those every Monday. Well, at least we try to. Sometimes we take a break from them, but usually we do them on Monday. When Henry and Liz were told they had to leave college in mid-March, they were welcomed home by their parents, Jessica and Tom. Now, several weeks since their return, Jessica and Tom have still not grown tired of having their kids home with them. It's actually quite nice. I miss them. And so it's nice having them home. And it's it's kind of nice. I don't know, Tom, how do you well, feel? I, I had a hard time adjusting to the empty nest syndrome. So I, uh, 
I, I wasn't dealing with that well at all. So just when I got used to it, they came back. Uh, and I have to say it's, uh, it's, it's better to have them around. It seems that the forced cohabitation has actually brought out the kinder side of all members of the household. Everybody actually is a little bit nicer to each other than we might have historically been. I think because we're all just stuck and we just don't know what's happening and why would you want to add that extra layer of testiness on top of things? Henry and Liz are twins and have a strong bond, but attending different colleges has drastically changed how often they see each other. So Jessica and Tom are thrilled to see their kids getting time to enjoy one another's company. I guess I really didn't know when... Elizabeth and Henry would have an extended amount of time together because their schools are on different schedules. I never expected them to have a month, which it's been no, and it could be two months or three months or however many months, <laughs> but months and months. Yeah, of time together. They are up pretty late, and I'll go to bed by. 11 o'clock. And I think that's when they just get started. We're in bed and the kids are downstairs. They're putting on their Love Island or whatever reality TV or movie it is that they're watching and snacking. And they're having that time together because during the day they're spending their time, you know, in their classes and doing their homework. Jessica and Tom have seen their kids rapidly grow up in the recent months. I think they're, uh, more mature, much more mature. So that's yeah. very noticeable to me. Going out to college um, was a big transition and, uh, and they both handled it well, but you know, they could have been a little stronger. Uh, and uh, now it seems like they're, you know, they're adulting, you know, they're actually going out and doing stuff as adults and, and taking care of business. Luckily, this newfound self-sufficiency was well-timed with schools closing. Liz was in the middle of her semester, living far away in Portland, Oregon, and had to manage a hasty exit. Her school kind of was a little slow to get their act together. And at first they said, oh, everybody should leave. And they gave a date like two weeks in the future. And then the next day it was, yeah, we think you should leave within 24 hours. So... It was a bit of a scramble for her to um, get a storage locker, get all her stuff packed up. She has a lot of stuff. And she really had to get everything out of there because her plan was to study abroad in the fall. So she wasn't going to be back in the fall semester. That has since been canceled. While it's great for Jessica and Tom to have so much family time again, they dread the possibility of further school cancellations and the major disappointment that would cause. I'm starting to get a little bit, um, I, 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 I'm a little worried for the kids because their, their schools, their schooling, and I'm, this is the case with all the university students right now, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, what about the fall? Are they going to have classes back in the fall? Yeah, I mean, really what they're missing out on is the social part of this because they're doing the same schoolwork, but they're missing out on hanging out with their friends and doing all the crazy stuff you do in college. So that's what really sucks about this. And I'm sure, you know, this is just miserable for, you know, the high school seniors and the, 
you know, this is miserable for every kid out there who, you know, was actually enjoying themselves a little bit while they worked. Life in the house has been fairly monotonous, with one day blending into the next. So little surprises go a long way. Liz got a letter, like in the mail, <laughs> a letter. This was the big excitement of the, the week, really. Yeah. It looked like somebody had very creatively taken either a, a, a magazine ad or some picture and created an envelope out of it. And uh, I know she's talked about a friend of hers in a town in Connecticut, and that's where it was from. So, you know, there you go. You get uh, your mind spins wild with the possibilities. But uh, we're never going to know because Liz wouldn't tell us. <laughs> Julie and her partner, Holly, both lived alone until the threat of the pandemic caused them to decide to move in together. Though they spend all their time together now, Holly says she and Julie didn't used to see nearly as much of each other. My regular day started early in the morning. I would get up around five o'clock and I would go to work by 8.30. And then I worked until five o'clock and often I would come to Julie's after work. Um, and we would have dinner and enjoy the evening together. So we were not together at all ever during the day, Monday through Friday. Holly sees some challenges to starting a cohabitation at this point in her life. I think that it's what I expected it to be. But when you are with someone 24 hours a day and we are in our 60s, our personalities are really well formed. When I wake up in the morning, I'm like the energizer uh, bunny. From the second I wake up, I am wide awake. I don't need caffeine. I'm ready to have conversations. Uh, whatever it is, I am ready to go. And so there are often mornings when Julie will just look at me and refer to me as chatty Kathy because she really needs to have her two cups of coffee, which is so foreign to me. Alarm goes off, I'm up ready, and she is not. Sharing their lives together in a small apartment has also brought Holly some happy accidents. One of the things that's actually been so wonderful for me is that I, I have a private concert many days because she has to because she, she practices. And although I sit in the bedroom with the door closed just so that um, she can feel as though she has her, her, her physical and emotional space to practice, it's been absolutely incredible for me to have these private concerts almost every day. Having been together through Julie's hospitalizations last year, Julie and Holly had already had their share of scary circumstances. Luckily, that experience gave them the confidence to expect that they could handle other challenges together. And that seems to be holding true. We've gotten through so much in the past almost 14 months that we could just do it. Our relationship is really strong and um, it has, it has, uh, I guess we've dealt with a lot and we've only been together for two and a half years. So I guess that's what I would say. I feel as though the relationship is, is really solid. And if we've gotten through all of this, 
so far that we will be fine. Holly's emotional reaction to the pandemic has shifted quite a bit over the past few weeks. She has two adult children who live out of state, and that only adds to her stress. I think in the beginning, we were more terrified than we are now. I know that I spent the certainly the first two weeks just crying constantly and and truly terrified that I would get sick and I would die and I would leave my children without their mother. I couldn't sleep. Um, uh, I it, I was really um, I'd say for the first two weeks. It's not that I didn't function, but I had never experienced terror like this. Now, five and a half weeks into this, it's, it's, uh, I've settled into this is what life is now. There are changes that have been really positive for the world, and there have been changes that I think are positive for both of us. Though she has gotten used to life as it is, Holly struggles with not being able to help others. I often, and I don't talk about this to Julie very much sometimes, but I have a lot of guilt. And I was raised to contribute to my community. And so even though I may be over 60 and I do have some health issues, Every day, I feel terrible that I am not out there serving food, um, working in a food bank, shopping for a neighbor who perhaps can't get to the store. So um, I don't know what to do about that because I know it's not safe for me to do those things and I can make financial contributions, which I've done, but I don't feel as though I am doing enough for the world I live in. Carrying so much concern for the world around her has caused Holly to reassess her relationship to her appearance. This will sound terribly shallow, and it is. I've always done what I can um, in terms of helping my community. But I have to admit, I was also the same person who, who went and got my gel manicures and got my hair done once a month and one of my gel nail peeled off within the first week. And I had thought that I would uh, keep a journal during this time. And um, when that came off, I actually taped it to a page and I made a comment to Julie and I realized this is what I'm going to entitle my journal, which is if I had known the sky was falling, I would have gotten a manicure before. And here we are five and a half weeks out, and I don't care about my hair anymore. I just don't. It's not important. There are people who are, who are starving, and there are people who are dying. And, they're, um, and, and so I'm realizing that those things that used to be important no longer are. It doesn't mean that I won't do my hair again or my nails, but I'm walking around looking like someone I don't recognize physically in the mirror, and I no longer care. It's not important.
This week, cases of coronavirus dropped in New York. It appears we are past the so-called apex, but the number of deaths is still staggering. The talk on the news and in politics is about reopening, determining when it's safe and how it should be done. It's nice to have something to look forward to, but any semblance of normalcy is still a long ways away. New York City will continue to function under the same restrictions and limitations for at least another few weeks, as mandated by law. That order may, and likely will, be extended. The 7 p.m. cheer remains a high point in my day, but as staying home drags on into a sort of haze, even the cheer can sometimes feel routine. The repetition can be numbing, and I force myself to look for highlights within the cheer to shake me awake to the moment. The joyfulness of the guy two doors down who recently began playing a conga drum on his stoop, or the man across the street who beats two snow shovels together. Is he out today? In the same way, I decided to change the focus of this week's episode to these new voices, so I and we can stay receptive and keep hearing the collective truth of our experience. Together All the Time is written and produced by me, Rebecca Pronsky. Our engineer is Rich Bennett. Our theme song is Nothing Yet from my 2016 album, Known Objects. And in this episode, you also heard Three by Rich Bennett from the album Ambient Guitar Music, Volume One. Subscribe to Together All the Time on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Our website is togetherallthetime.com.